Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Copy God's Word. Don't you find the book of First Thessalonians? First Thessalonians, we're going to be at tonight. And, and I just want you to go ahead. If you have a real Bible, you actually probably have a ribbon in that Bible. Go ahead and mark that book because we're going to be walking verse by verse through the book of First Thessalonians. If you're new to the Bible, all of the T's are together in the New Testament or the second half of your Bible. So it's kind of a helpful tip. So if you go to the second half of your Bible and you find any book that starts with the letter T, you're close to First. Thessalonians. And uh, just to kind of show you our cards at Paradigm, here's what we like to do a couple of times a year. We like to walk verse by verse through books of the Bible so that by the end of the year, if you journey with us or if you listen to this message at a later date, you can have a commentary on various books of the Bible at the end of the year. And then we also like to take time and address specific things. So like the series that we were just in a couple of weeks ago, we went kind of um, some verse by verse study through a portion of a larger book to try to address some things that are happening culturally and maybe happening in your life in the life stage that you're in. And so that's kind of what we do here at Paradigm. So tonight we're kicking off a new series. We're going to walk from cover to cover through this letter, First Thessalonians. And um, as you're finding your way to First Thessalonians, I don't know if you've ever been faked out by somebody. You've been faked out by somebody? Like, not like a fake out, like in a game, but like, like you really got faked out, you know? Like they, they made promises, they made commitments, they gave things, and you found out this person is fake, you know? Uh, and uh, I don't know if, if you've ever had that happen. That's happened to me a few times, and some of those times I'm not really excited about because I pride myself on being a pretty discerning person, you know? Like, I, I, I pride myself on being, like, street smart and being able to see through it and, and you know, being able to, to determine whether or not this person is, is, is sincere or whether or not they're fake or not. I, I pride myself on being able to like a like a fake radar, you know what I'm saying? But there was an occasion a couple years ago where my generosity and my stupidity, they collided, and I got faked out. Now, what happened was, um, typically, when somebody, like, tries to panhandle me, um, I'm usually like, nah, man, nah, not, you know, I ain't got to get a cash on me, nothing like that. But on this particular day, we were celebrating my youngest daughter's birthday. And so, on his birthday, daddy is being generous. So, we went to Sky Zones, like a trampoline park. We was getting ice cream. We was jumping on trampolines. We was, I was like, if you want it, we're buying it today. And so, this guy happened to catch me on a day where I was just feeling generous. And so, uh, we're at a gas station, and he pulls up, and he says, hola, como estas? And I, and I just said, movie in it, too. You know, like, I don't know. I'm from Texas, so you can carry a little Spanish. And then he says something else in Spanish. I was like, lo siento, mi español es no bueno, you know. And, uh, and, then, and then he starts speaking to me in English, and it turns out he's like Russian or something. You know, I'm like, why are you speaking Spanish to me? I thought I looked more Eastern European than Spanish. Anyway, and he's like, can you help me with some, you know, however they talk. Anyway, so he's asking, can you help me? Can, and, he, and, he, and it's weird because he's driving like a nice suburban. I was like, bro, your car is nicer than mine, you know? And, and he's dressed nice, and he's got his girl in the car with him, and he tells me this story like we're traveling from here to here, and, and we need some money. And I'm like, bro, look, bro, I, I can't give you no money, but I'll give you some gas. And so I start filling him up with gas. I should have just given him $20 because it's a Suburban. I don't know if you've ever felt filled up a Suburban before, but it's a big tank. And so, you know, I'm filling, filling him up with gas, and we're trying to talk and communicate a little bit. And, and, um, and eventually, like, he's wearing this big gold chain, and he's like, he takes it off to give it to me. And he's like, here, you take this, you know? And I'm like, no, bro, no, don't, that's the name of style. You know, I'm not a big gold chain guy. And he's like, no, you take, it's gold, it's good, you know? And, uh, and I'm like, no, no, bro, it's good. And like, he puts it in my hand. I'm like, hanging on, like, I can't take this man's chain. And I'm like, no, um, the, you know, the gift in the nombre de Jesus Cristo. I go back to Spanish for some reason. And so, like, I'm like, I'm giving you the gas in the name of Jesus. I'm trying to tell him that. And he's like, you take ring, this ring. It's, it's gold. You take ring. And he, and he like, pushes it. I'm like, all right, man, I'll take your ring, you know. And he gives me this big gold ring. He's got, like, an emerald in it. And I'm like, whatever, you know. And then he asks me for a little bit more money so that he can find a place to stay. And so, again, I'm being generous. I'm like, all right, cool. And he says, I pay you back tomorrow. And, and uh, so we swap phone numbers. And he says, I'll meet you right back here tomorrow. Take my gold ring. And I send him off with some cash. And I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to settle up tomorrow. And I'm going to give him his gold ring back. You know, this ain't really my style. And, I, you know, I don't want to try to hawk this thing. And anyway, so I start texting. We're texting back and forth. And then, and then the next day comes and, and he doesn't text me back. And I realized that it was all fake. It was a fake promise. 
And, uh, and I, got, I got faked out, and, and you know, I thought he was going to pay me back the next day, but I'm like, but I still got his ring. So I'm like Frodo with this thing running around. You know, I've got this ring, and I am like, just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to figure out if this is real. And I'm skeptical, and my wife's like, that ain't real. And I'm like, you don't know. You know, shh. You know, because <laughs> I pride myself on being discerning. Anyway, and uh, I take it over to a place called um, Especially Jewelry, one of our local church members. They own that place. And I'm like, hey, um, could you test this and see if it's real? And so they take it back, and, and um, a few minutes pass. And I'm like, it'll take it a while. It's probably real. I'm about, about to melt this thing down, you know. And she comes back, and she's like, uh, well, I have bad news for you. Um, the, the ring's fake. The ring's fake. I got a picture of the ring right here because I, really, I can't really wear it. It's not really my style. You can kind of see. It don't even look real, man. What was I thinking, you know? And, uh, man, I got totally duped, y'all. I got to- the promise was fake. The gift was fake. Everything about this brother, he faked me out, man. He faked me out and he duped me. And, and I start there tonight because y'all have all come in here, and I, and I think I know this about you. No one likes a fake, right? Like, I think we've come here, especially in this generation, it's like we want authenticity and transparency no matter the cost, you know? No one likes a fake in this room. Like, you come in here and you, you don't want a fake relationship. You know, if you're here and you got a significant other, you hope something you got's real, right? You don't want a fake relationship. You don't want a fake life, right? Like, you, you want to be a person that's, that's at least authentic and, you know, like, like it's almost a compliment in our generation when you say, yeah, that brother's real. He's real, you know? No matter, no matter what the, co- the cost is there, you don't want to fake life. You don't want to fake Louis Vuitton. Now, I know some of y'all do. Now, I know some of y'all are carrying around a handbag. You don't, but you, deep down inside, you don't want fake product. You want to make sure that the, the J's that you're wearing or the ring that you're wearing or the bag that you're carrying, you want to make sure that those are real. Our generation doesn't like fakes. But the irony of it is when we come into spaces like this, there's a tendency for a lot of us to try to fake our faith. If you don't know what faith is, what I mean by that is your ability to trust in God. And so what will happen is a lot of people will come into spaces like this and will turn the trust on, you know? Like we'll step across the threshold and be like, all right, trust God, you know, and you, you, you figured out like what the cool version of the Bible is according to whatever crew you roll around with. You know, so you start like get, learning the lingo of Bible translations. And, you know, if you're new to the Bible, you're like, I don't know what an ESV or a KJV or a KJ, whatever. I don't know what ABC, I don't know what, I don't know what y'all talking about. But there's kind of a Christian code when it comes to Bibles. And you can fake people out by carrying a Bible and, and know like what the letters stand for, ESV, KJV. You can learn some of the words to the song. You're like, all right, so when they sing, great are you, Lord, that's when I hear the hand raise, you know? You can learn some of that. You can learn some of the jargon, and there's a tendency for a lot of us to turn our faith on in spaces like this, to turn our trust in God on in spaces like this. But deep down inside, some of you have come in here, and when it comes to your relationship with God, it's fake. It's fake. And the reason why I know this is because I've done that before. Like, there's been, there's been times in my life where I just kind of had this mentality in church and this mentality in, in my faith where you just got to fake it till you make it. And that works in some areas, but that don't work in your faith, y'all. And there's been times in my life where I've turned on kind of the show, if you will. I've treated Christianity like it was a game, and I've just kind of trusted God in spaces like this. But then when I left, nothing ever changed in my life. But I somehow tried to reconcile that I was good with God even though I was faking my relationship with God. And, and what's ironic is that every one of us, if you meet somebody that's fake, ain't real, that's, that's not legit, you're like, man, I don't want to be around that person. They fake. But so often, that's exactly how we present ourselves before God Almighty. Because you may be able to fake me out by carrying your Bible or raising your hand in a song, but you ain't going to fake God. And so I have a big question tonight as you're taking notes. If you want to write down this title, here's the big question. Is your faith real? Is your faith real? And I want to ask you 10 questions from God's word so that you can determine whether or not your faith is legit. These are yes or no questions. 
And so you just simply, I'm going to ask the question and you answer yes or you answer no. If you're taking notes in your Bible, I hope that you've brought a Bible with you or brought somewhere to take some notes because we're going to simply be walking line by line through God's Word. And you're going to see these 10 observations from God's Word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I flip them into questions so that we can allow the Word of God to read us. And I'm going to ask you these questions so that you can kind of have like a, like a, a faith test tonight. Now, if you're new to the Bible, there's a guy named Paul that's kind of a key player in the New Testament. And Paul, he's one of the greatest theologians of all of Christianity, and God used him to write letters to churches of people that are just like you and me. And Paul, he had helped start several churches, and then he wrote letters back to those churches, and he wrote those letters to encourage them, to challenge them, to teach them. And Paul, he's writing this letter to a group of people in Thessalonica that, man, he loves these people. When you read some of the writings of Paul, we studied the book of Galatians earlier this year, and he came at their throats in Galatians. You know, he's like, he calls them, uh, you know, devils, and he's like, who bewitched you? And like, he like tells people that they need to emasculate themselves. It was, it was gloves off with Paul, you know, in Galatians. But then you, you turn the corner and you read Thessalonians, and it's like, he likes these folks. He's encouraging them. And that there's something unique about the relationship that Paul has with them, and you'll pick up on that, especially in this first chapter, because Paul, he gives like these 10 validations, because he's like, man, I was there when God did his work in your life, and I've heard and I've seen the fruits of a real faith in your life. And so tonight, I'm going to take these validations, turn them into questions so that we can see these things and see if they're present in our life or not. Now, this is a list, not, not a checklist of things that you need to do, but rather a checklist of things that you need to observe. And so there's going to be some things that we're going to talk about tonight, and you're going to feel like, oh, I've got to go make this thing happen. But you need to note this, that a key theme in the Bible is that when we're connected to God, God brings the growth. Just like an orange tree can't, can't go grow an orange and on its own. It's got to be connected to healthy soil. It's got to get sunlight and water. The same is true in your relationship with God. If you want to bear the things that are marked by genuine faith, you cannot bear those things apart from a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this is going to be, it's going to feel like a checklist, if you will, but these are things that you need to ask yourself, are these things evident and increasing in my life? And if not, then maybe you've come in here and you're just faking your faith. So first, first Thessalonians chapter one, here's what it says in verse one. It simply says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, some of your translations say Silas. Now I think sometimes we'll just kind of skip through who these people are, but listen, we're, we're reading the words of real men tonight. And I think it's important. I don't know if you've ever read a book. I read a book recently about a guy who survived uh, like 47 days out on a raft in the Pacific Ocean, and then he was thrown into a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And like, like when you read about this guy's story, you're thinking, wow, man, that, that guy has some credibility on suffering. You know what I'm saying? And when you understand the author behind the story, like oftentimes it gives credibility and it gives authority to the person that's speaking the words to you. And this guy, Paul, already told you, man, he's kind of a big deal. He did some incredible things for the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, Silvanus or Silas, he's a really big deal. He rode with Paul and helped Paul plant several of these churches in Silas or Silvanus. He also helped Peter write some things down, you find, in Acts chapter 15. And this guy, Timothy, he's like Paul's protege. Timothy would go on to lead one of the most influential churches of all of Christian history in a town called Ephesus because Timothy took his faith serious. And so these three men, they're the ones that are writing this letter. And these guys, man, they deserve our attention tonight. And it simply says this. It says, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we just kind of read through that. We're like, yeah, we just kind of yawn through those greetings. But it's important as we're reading God's word that it's, a, it's causing us to build a, an understanding of who God is. It's causing us to build a, a right picture of, of who God is or a theology, if you will, a study of God. 
And some of you coming tonight and like your, your view of God is, is so contrary to what we find in the Bible that, that you're even having a hard time in your relationship with God because maybe you think that God's out to get you. You heard our worship pastor say earlier that, man, God's love, it's amazing. Nothing can separate you from the, the love of God that we sang this incredible song that just testified to the love of God. And so help, let me help you build a proper theology. Let me help you build a proper understanding of who God is, how he greets you tonight. He greets you with his grace and with his peace. God has you here, not by accident. I don't know how you got here. I don't know what you've done today. And to be frank, I don't, I don't care what you did today. If it's something that you feel like has you know, separated you from God, you may be high right now. And you may be thinking, I don't know, why did I come? What am I doing here? Listen, God has grace for you. God has peace for you. And the grace, that, that unmerited favor that you long for, and the peace that surpasses all understanding that you're going to all of these different places to try to find that will never give you the peace that is everlasting can only be found from the author of those two things, and that is God Almighty. And so Paul, he writes these things. He says, man, let me remind you, and, and let me tell you, this is what I'm writing from. I'm writing from the place of God's grace and his peace to you. And so this isn't just a greeting, it's a reminder and it's a, it's a builder of theology tonight. And so the word of God tells us, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to verse two and he says this, we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. And so again, like Paul, he loves these guys. I mean, I don't know if you pray for many people all the time and give thanks all the time for those people. I've got a short list of those people, and most of them are sitting right up there. It's my wife and my girls and some extended family and a few of you guys, but there's a few of you that I love that much, you know what I'm saying? But Paul's saying, man, I love these people. Like, we did life with these people. He says, I, I give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in, in all of our prayers. He says, remembering without ceasing, here's what he's remembering, your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Paul said, man, we love y'all. You know, he's right. He's like, man, y'all are our guys. Y'all are our girls. Like, we love you guys because y'all are real. And Paul, you've been around the block. He'd seen people that had started strong in their faith in Jesus only to kind of flounder and, and to flake out. He had seen people that, that he had given his life over to, and they said, I promise I'll do this. Here's my ring. You take ring. You take ring. You take necklace. They had seen all of that, only to see them not show up the next day. But not these people. He says, man, y'all are the real deal. Y'all have a legitimate faith. And how does he know that? What are the things that he saw in them? Well, well the things that he saw in them were the things that we need to ask ourselves tonight. So point number one, if you're taking notes, here's the first question I want you to ask, is does your faith work? Does your faith work? He says here that he, he saw that they had a work of faith. What that means is that he says, man, your, your faith in Jesus Christ, it led to you doing things by faith for Jesus Christ. Like what the Bible says it, later in James chapter two, it says faith without works is dead. Now faith alone in grace alone is what saves you alone. But faith that stays alone isn't a biblical faith that once you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he then liberates you to live by faith. And if your faith doesn't work, then I would question whether or not your faith is, is legit. I, um, I ran into a guy a couple of years ago at this conference, and, um, and it was a guy I went to high school with. And uh, he was kind of like, Chad? You know, I was like, his name's Berlin. You know, you don't forget that name. And I was like, what's up, Berlin? He's like, what, uh, hey, bro, what? What you doing here? <laughs> it's kind of funny running into you here. And, uh, and I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor. He's like, you're a pastor. Wow. You know, I'm like, well, contain your excitement and your surprise. And, and he emailed me later. He's like, hey, man, I didn't mean to offend you in any way. And, and uh, I just, I, I was surprised to find out that you were a pastor. And I emailed him back. I'm like, bro, me too. <laughs> you know, that didn't know make sense, you know. And this is a guy, and what he's, what he's saying is that I knew some things and I saw some things in this season of your life. But, but it's, it's pleasant to see, and I'm pleasantly surprised to find out that your faith in Jesus Christ, it has grown you into a man that is worth the characteristics of being a pastor. 
And he's just, and basically he was praising God for that. I wonder if you ran into somebody like your 10-year high school reunion, would they be able to recognize your character? Would they, would they see the same old you that was turning up in your letter jacket and Friday night lights, whatever y'all do up here, you know, would they see that same old you 10 years later? Or when you begin to speak and you begin to talk about where you're at and what you're doing, would they go, wow, you're like a different person. See, if your faith doesn't work and it doesn't change you, then I would question whether or not you have a real faith. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you could ask yourself this question. Do you labor to love? Yes or no? Do you labor to love? What Paul says is like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm championing you guys because I've seen your labor of love. Do, ask yourself, do you work hard at loving people? Now, I think I got to give some handles to this word love because love in our culture is such a watered down word. Like you can love tacos and, and I can say, I love Taco Bell after Paradigm on a Tuesday night and I love my wife. Like I use the same word, there's got to be a difference, right? And so in the Greek, Paul, he could have used four different words to describe the type of love that we should labor towards. And the word he uses is a familiar word if, you're, if you've been in church for a while. It's the word agape. It literally means unconditional love. And what Paul's saying is that the mark of a, of a real faith is that you work hard at loving people unconditionally. And one of the things that is deeply connected to biblical love is sacrifice. So let me ask you, who have you sacrificed for recently? Some of you are here in here tonight and you just moved in with some new roommates. And you're already in that kind of grouchy phase where like they like they need to pick up their dishes, you know, and you're just like, you know, you're like, why did I even get roommates? We should have done this, you know. And uh, and I would just challenge you that it's in the home where oftentimes it's the hardest place to labor, to love, to work hard to love people. And one of the true marks of a real faith is that you labor to love, that you can see that. The vision of abundant life is that we want to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Because we've read the Bible, and here's what we found in the Bible. Jesus takes loving people really, really, he takes it really, really high. I mean, he's just something that's really, really important to Jesus. And in our culture, people don't care about what you say anymore. You can say all day, I believe in God, I love God, I do this, I have a Bible, I have a shirt that says whatever, you know. I mean, you can say that all day, but if people don't see the love of God on display in your life, they don't care what you say. You can be the guy that shows up to the office 15 minutes early, cracks open the Bible, but then if you're rude and you don't labor to love people in the office, they don't care about you reading the Bible, and it's confusing. The next thing that I want you to ask yourself in point number three, if you're taking notes, is your hope patient? Paul, again, he's making some observations, and he's like, man, I love you guys. Y'all are the real deal because you have patience of hope is what he said there in the earlier verses. So is your hope patient? What I mean by that is do you, do you hope for God to do what he's going to do with perseverance? Do you hope for God to do those things with patience, or do you just give up easily? Are you a person that's marked by deep-seated, unmovable, anchored hope in Jesus Christ because Jesus did what he said he was going to do, and so his promises are sure that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that's the fuel that allows your hope to endure? Do you have that? Is your faith marked by these things? Is your, does your faith work? Do you labor to love? Is your hope patient? And Paul says that, that we, he says, I see those things in you guys. He's writing to this group of Christians. He's like, man, y'all have a real faith based upon these data points. But he says here, he says more importantly in verse 3, he says that, I, that, that these are evident in the sight of our God and Father. And so Paul's saying, man, I see these things, but more importantly, God sees these things. And it's okay to want to imp impress people and want to make a good impression upon other followers of Christ, but deep down inside, you need to be driven by the deep-seated conviction that I live out my faith for the glory of God. And he's saying, this is, like he's saying, man, high-five you guys in this letter because God is seeing these things in your life. And this is the thing that gives Paul assurance. He says in verse 4, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. This phrase, election by God, what Paul's saying is like knowing that you are chosen by God. I think early on in my faith, I, I, I would have said I made a decision to follow Jesus. 
You know, I came to a place like this, and somebody shared about how I can have a right relationship with God through Jesus, and, and I raised my hand or prayed a prayer or whatever. I was in the driver's seat. But the more I've studied the Bible, the more I've realized that I didn't really choose God, even though it felt that way. God had chose me a long time ago. And one of the ways I know that I've, I've been chosen by God is because I see these things evident and increasing in my life. And so if you're hearing like, I don't know if I'm a part of God's family. I don't know if I'm chosen by God. Are you laboring to love? Is your faith at work? And do you have a patient hope? Paul, he goes on in verse five. He says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, I love this, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Uh, this this uh, phrase, our gospel, when Paul's saying, you know, it's basically reminding them, y'all remember our gospel? Y'all remember our gospel? And they're, they're probably reading this in a church like this, like, oh yeah, man, Paul, he could preach it, you know? And the, go- the word gospel, if that's new to you, oftentimes I like to ask people, when I say the word gospel, what does that mean to you? And oftentimes I'll get answers like, well, I think of gospel music, or I think of books of the Bible, and, and all of those are true. But when Paul says our gospel, what he's speaking in reference to is the good news that Jesus lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, rose from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father, is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and one day he's gonna return. That's the message that Paul's alluding to. And he's saying, man, when I preached this word about how you can know Jesus Christ and you can have a right relationship with God through his sacrifice and you can have your sins forgiven and you can know the love of God Almighty, he said that, that we weren't just having a nice chat with some tea. We weren't, just, we weren't just having a good talk. Man, I, the, the word moved in power in your life. It grabbed a hold of your life, and it began to change your life. I don't know if you've ever been in spaces like this where the word of God's being preached, and it just seems like the spirit of God is grabbing a hold of you. Man, it fires me up. And the word of God has a way of doing that when you read it on your own, when you listen to a podcast, when you watch it on an Instagram video or a YouTube video, or when you come to spaces like this, there's been moments in my life when I've shared about the good news of Jesus Christ where where it's just grabbed people's life. And I've I've seen it, and I I hate when people say, (laughs) they'll say, Chad, you gave a nice talk tonight. I said, I'm not a talker, I'm a preacher. And preachers, they, they ignite passion in the hearers uh, that, are, that are listening to the word of God. And preachers are the ones that, that the Holy Spirit, he ignites that passion in them so that they can experience the word of God in power. That's what I'm after. I'm not after a good chat tonight. I'm not after a nice talk or a nice speech tonight. That's lame, all right? If you come here to hear a nice talk, watch a comedian. It's gonna be way better, all right? But we're here so that our lives will be gripped by the power of God. That's why we're here. A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching my, my heart out here on a Sunday night. It's right here. And I was preaching about how the gospel of Jesus Christ, how it gives us the power we need to forgive people that have deeply wounded us. And I preached, I fought through tears that night, talking about some of the things I've had to work through. And I gave an invitation. And I said, if you're here tonight and you're, and you're wrestling with bitterness, Jesus Christ, he's come to set you free He's, he's come to give you the energy you need to forgive. And I said, if you want to let go of those things that are holding you back, and if you want to give forgiveness away, you come forward. And I stood right here, and people, they came all throughout this space, and they, I heard sobbing out loud because the word of God moved in their life in power, and it gripped their life. And one of the marks of real faith is that your life has been gripped by the word of God. Now, it doesn't always happen. You don't always have this emotional movement, but there should be data points in your life where you can say, man, on that night, man, my life, the power of God came upon me and my life was gripped and it wasn't just a nice chat that my life was gripped. So here's the question, point number four. Has the gospel come to you in power? Has the gospel come to you in power? Not in word only, Paul says, but in power. Has the gospel changed your life? Has the story of Jesus Christ dying for your sins, raising from the grave, and the fact that you can follow him as King of kings and Lord of lords, has that changed you? Have you experienced the power of God's word in your life? Listen, if God's word hasn't gripped you, then your faith may be fake. Paul, he goes on in verse six, and he just simply says this. After this happened, he says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord. 
He's saying the result of your life being changed, the result of you being gripped by the gospel is that you begin to follow godly people and you begin to follow Jesus. So point number five, if you're taking notes, here's the next question. Are you a follower? Are you a follower? And here's two things that Paul says that you should be a follower of, a follower of godly people and a follower of the Lord. We're kind of in this age where people are really apt to like want a mentor. I want a mentor. I want a mentor, you know. And, and if it's not a mentor, it's a counselor. I gotta have a counselor. If it's not a counselor, it's a therapist. I gotta have a therapist. If it's not a therapist, it's a life coach. I gotta have a life coach. I'll just settle for Orange Theory. I gotta have a try. You know, it's what so we all want somebody to kind of tell us what to do, you know. And oftentimes we could be like, come to spaces like this, we're like, man, I want a mentor. And, and people ask me, well, Chad, who, who's your mentor? And I have a few mentors, but one of, one of the most consistent mentors in my life is the Bible. That God wants to mentor you. And I think sometimes we're so quick to run towards people to get what God wants to give us, you know? And one of the marks of a real faith is that you, you are consistently running to the Bible and saying, God, would you be my divine mentor? Would you show me some things in your word? The word of God is God-breathed, it says. The word of God is profitable in your life to mature you, to correct you, to challenge you, to, to shape you so that you can become a mature person of God. And you cannot be a follower of Jesus if you're not following Jesus. And so are you a follower? Do you get into God's word? The second thing in this is, do you follow godly people? I sat down with some men in my office this last weekend that have raised their hand. They've approached me, a few men. They said, hey, would you disciple me? And I, and I, I just got to meet with them for the first time on Sunday. Fires me up, man. One of the things I love doing is to disciple men. That word is not a, not a common word in our culture, but a very common word historically. Aristotle, he had disciples. Jesus had disciples. And a disciple is a disciplined follower of a master. So I'm sitting down with these men and I'm looking at them in the eyes and I'm saying, you're gonna follow me as I follow Jesus. I'm gonna teach you some things. I'm gonna show you some things and I'm gonna coach the heck out of you so that you can be the man that God wants you to be. And when we get our time done, the goal is that you would have grown in godliness and you would be ready to replicate your life into the life of somebody else. And are you following somebody that's going to challenge you? Are you following Jesus and getting in his word? That the mark of a real faith is that you're a follower. Paul, he goes on, he says, not only did you become followers of us and of the Lord, he says in verse 6, he says, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying, I remember when you guys went through some stuff, and I remember how y'all responded when y'all went through those things. He's recalling the joy that they had, even in the midst of hardships. So question number six that I have for you tonight is, do you have joy in hardships? Do you have joy in hardships? Well, what is joy? Well, joy is, it's a choice for you to stay focused on the outcome of eternity, regardless of your current situation. And it's the peace that comes that surpasses understanding. You may be going through a difficult time, but you can still have joy. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is dependent upon happenings. It's dependent upon your circumstances. When you're eating ice cream and your favorite show is on, you're happy. But when it's not, you may not be happy. But joy is something else altogether. That joy is a fruit of the Spirit of God and the believer of Christ. And so the, Paul saying, I remember the hardships that y'all went through. And we don't have to wonder about some of the hardships that these folks went through because in Acts chapter 17, it tells us about some of the things that happened. In Acts chapter 17, you don't have to turn there. I'll just kind of tell you real quick. Paul, he goes to Thessalonica and he starts a, a church there. And like all these people are starting to come to Christ so much so that, that it kind of creates a, a little bit of an uproar. And so we see five hardships that they have to endure. The first one is this, is they have to endure uh, the people's jealousy. You know, so many people are starting to go to this thing that other people are like, that's not right. That's got to be something wrong. And, and they, it says that they were literally so jealous that they got a group of, so their haters got a group of people together and they stormed out in the streets and they started rioting. Y'all remember 2020? You remember the riots? They started rioting because they, they were upset about what God was doing in these people's lives because these guys were followers of Christ. People were jealous. There was misunderstandings. They came and they, they, they said, well, you know, we misunderstand what's going on, and so we're going to start rioting. There was, number three, there was rejection. They said, we, we don't even like you guys. They're rioting, and they wish that these guys are dead. There's the, the next thing is false accusation. So Paul and Silas and his crew, they're staying at a guy named Jason's house, we find out in Acts 17, and, and, and they, they storm into Jason's house, and they start saying, this guy Jason and the people that he's hosting, uh, they're rebelling against the Caesar. 
And so they arrest Jason and throw him in jail. And so not only does it, the hardship include false accusations, but finally it includes a loss of money that they have to post bail and Jason has to pay his bail to get out of jail. All because they were followers of Jesus. And Paul says, man, we went through all that. And you guys are like showing up at the worship service the next week like joy, joy, joy. Praise God, you know. And Paul's saying, I saw that in you. That at the end of the day, no matter how much it cost you, no matter how much rejection, because you had Jesus, you had everything you needed. And the mark of genuine faith is that even though you go through hardships, you can still have joy. Hardships are like the, they're like the acid test of faith. And so when I, when I had that ring, I, I took it into that jewelry shop and, and I said, hey, can you tell me if this thing is real gold? And uh, you know, the, uh, the lady looked at it and she, she was like, well, it doesn't feel like real gold. I was like, I know, I know, shut up. Anyway, so just tell me, if, you know, and so she had to go do an acid test on it. And after doing a couple of tests on it, she found out that it was indeed fake gold. I thought I had legit gold. I thought I was going to be able to cash it in. I mean, it looked real on the outside, but when the acid hit it, it revealed it was fake. See, hardships are like an acid test that reveal the purity of your faith. And when you go through a hardship, typically when you get squeezed, what's on the inside comes out. And if you haven't developed joy in Jesus in the moments where you have placid waters in life, when the storm rolls in, when the acid test of hardship hits, it's going to reveal that your faith indeed is fake. That one of the marks of being a real Christian is that you have joy even in the midst of hardships. Paul, he goes on in verse 7, he says this, he says, so that you became examples. You know, y'all went through these hardships, or are following me, and they were, y'all are following Jesus. And he says, you became examples to all of Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Paul said, not only did you follow our lead, but you became leaders of your, uh, yourselves. People started hearing about the way that you were following Jesus, and it, made it, it set an example for the whole region. Well, point number seven, if you're taking notes, you could ask yourself this question. Are you a follower? Are you, excuse me, are you an example to follow? Are you an example to follow? That genuine faith, it sets an example. It's the Greek word tupos. It literally means that you, you make an impact wherever you go. You make an indention wherever you go. If I had a Coke can up here and I squeezed it, it would never be the same because I made a tupos on it. Does your life make an impact wherever you go to the office, when you go to, to your apartment, when you go to your places of recreation, when you go to your, your families of origin? Do you make an impact? Do you set an example? Man, the world is longing for people who will do what they say they are. We don't need any more fake Christians in this world. And I, I would just say, if you're faking your Christianity, just stop. Lose the title. You're not helping the cause. I'd rather have a few that are sold out and real and genuine than many who are just faking it. You know what I'm saying? I think every one of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you're here because you don't want to fake it either. Go get a boat. Go skiing. Do something else. Don't, don't treat Christianity like a game. And when you take your faith serious, when you read the Bible and try to do what it says, it makes an impact in the world, man. And you become an example. Man, people are, are looking to you, Paradigm. They're hearing the stories of life change. They're hearing what God's doing in the Midwest. And in this region, you, your reputation precedes you. But we're only just a few decisions away from losing that influence. But God has given us influence in Kansas City, and we have to harness that, and we have to continue to live exemplary lives for the glory of God. Are you an example to follow? Like if I modeled your faith for a week, what would my faith look like? If the church followed Jesus the way you do, what would the church look like? Would we pray? Would we share our faith? Would we read the Bible? Would we sing or not? Would we be hospitable? Would we love? Listen, if you're faking a relationship with Jesus, this may sound bad, but again, I would rather you drop the title. Like, what if I told you I went through all of that stuff, that acid test and everything, and then, and then like you saw me next week, and like I'm just rocking this ring, you know? 
you know, and like in, into the crowd where rings are a thing, you know, like, again, this really ain't my vibe. And so if I ever become the guy that's wearing this, like, just have a conversation with me and just lovingly, you know, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so um, this isn't my thing, but imagine I'm wearing this thing and like rings were your thing. And I'm like, hey, bro, you see my ring, you know? And, uh, and like quickly you realize that thing is fake, but, but I kept pretending like this was a real ring trying to impress you. And then like you even see me like pull it off and try to like scratch my head or something and I have a big green stain around here, you know, like, oh, I need to cover that up real quick. Like that would be weird. And I need to take this ring off and I need to quit pretending like it's real. And listen, some of you are like this gold ring to God. Like he's not impressed by your glimmer and your shine. He wants you to be real. He's more concerned with your substance and your integrity. And just like I wouldn't wear a fake ring, I don't think God's impressed by people that are fake in their faith. Is your faith real? Are are you who you say you are? Or are you just playing games? Is your faith making an impact? Are you making a difference? Is your life worth following? If it's not, maybe something should change. Paul, he goes on, he says this in verse eight, for from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. He says, your faith towards God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. Paul, he's hyping these guys. He's like, man, I love y'all. I pray for y'all all the time. You're my favorite people, you know? And he's like, man, because y'all, y'all started sharing y'all's faith, and like you started sounding forth these things. So question number eight I have for you tonight is, do you share the word? Do you share the word? That a mark of a genuine faith is that you share God's word with people. Paul, he uses this unique phrase, sounded forth, only used here in the New Testament. And it's this idea that y'all went out, y'all hit the streets, y'all blasted this thing, you know? Y'all were so excited about how Jesus had changed your life that many of you went out and there was volume in you sharing your testimony. This last weekend, we had several young adults that participated in a thing called Unashamed. You can see the picture right here. And these young adults, they said, man, we're gonna sacrifice one weekend to go into Kansas City and serve the city to share our faith with people in the city, and to grow in our faith personally. There were a couple of girls that went to Messenger Coffee, shout out, and um, they were in the line, and there was another lady that was uh, ordering a pastry or something, and they just struck up a conversation with her. I think sometimes, like, we make sounding forth or sharing the word kind of weird. Like, like some of y'all are here, and I need to go buy a bullhorn and a sandwich board. Don't do that, all right? Don't go to the plaza and yell at people. I don't think that's helping, Okay. They simply went to Messenger Coffee. It's a place that's cool to go. You should go if you've never been there. And, and they, they saw a lady that was about their age and they said, what pastry did you get? You know, they just struck up a conversation and then eventually they had the courage to say something like, hey, could we pray for you? Anything, anything you need prayer for? That's such a great, like, non-offensive way to get into a conversation, y'all. Just write that down. You, it, who, who was the last person you asked, hey, could I pray for you? Anything you need prayer for? Everybody wants prayer these days. We all want prayer, no matter what you believe. Everybody wants somebody to pray for them, you know? So this lady, she shares some things, and then, and then they, they, they ask one more courageous question. It's such a good question. If you don't know how to have spiritual conversations, write this question down. They said, do you have a faith? Do you have a faith? If you want to speak the word of God, ask the question, do you have a faith? And this lady begins to share, and they just said, would you mind if we share with you the main message of the Bible? And it was a little bit awkward at first, but by the end of the conversation, the lady was glad that they took interest in her and processed with her. Now, the the heavens didn't part, and no doves flew out of the ceiling of messenger, and there wasn't like this crazy mystical event, and I don't even know if a decision was made. But listen, the goal of you sharing is not to save anybody. God does the saving. You do the sharing. God does the thing that only he can do, and we have to be faithful to respond to the invitation to share the word. Paul, he says that, man, y'all shared the word. Y'all, y'all, y'all sounded it forth. He goes on in verse nine, he says, for they themselves, they declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and, and how you turned to God. I love this. He said, man, y'all turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. He's like, man, people have told us how y'all life have been changed. And so Paul, he's like, man, we, we've heard about how y'all turned from idolatry into God. Point number nine and question number nine, if you're taking notes, ask yourself this, do you turn from idolatry? 
Do you turn from idolatry? These folks that Paul was writing to, they were in a pantheistic culture. So there were several gods that they had grown up worshiping. And so when they started following Jesus Christ, he's the only true God. And he's the only way. And there are no other gods beside Jesus. And the more that they learn this, like, oh, we got to quit worshiping the sun god. And we got to quit worshiping the water god. And we gotta, And they started learning these things. So they slowly start turning from idol, from idol, from idol. And they start turning towards God, towards God. Now, we in America, we're a little bit more sophisticated, so we think. And so I've heard it said by one sociologist that we are not a nation that has no gods, but we are a nation that has many gods. And we still have idolatry alive in our culture today. An idol is something that you can't quit thinking about. I was thinking about some of the idols that we struggle with in our society. One of those idols would just be influence or fame. Many of you, man, that is like your goal that you think about all the time. You're trying to crack the algorithm so that you can get paid to go visit an Airbnb in Hawaii and put on a sweatshirt and make a post about it, right? And you just want to have influence. You want to be popular. You want to be known. Another idol in our culture is is comfort. You're in a comfortable seat. You're wearing comfortable shoes, wearing comfortable clothes. It's the American way. But oftentimes we give into that and we feed that. And that's the thing that we make ultimate in our life. And so we're not going to move out of our parents' house because it's uncomfortable. We're not going to do what God's called us to do because it's uncomfortable. We're not going to go have that conversation with those folks because it's uncomfortable. We're not going to labor to love because it's uncomfortable. And oftentimes we unwittingly, we idolize comfort or sex. That Many times we read things, look at things, do things that feed that thing in this season of life because your hormones are raging. And you're feeding that, feeding that because you're idolizing sex or, or maybe it's not that, maybe it's money or maybe it's just yourself. And you're caught up in the current of self-love and, and self-care and Enneagrams and Berkmans and discs and all kinds of different profiles, strength finders, and you're, you're so enamored with improving yourself that you are consumed with yourself. And so I want you to think, what are the idols that I need to recognize, that I need to turn from and turn towards God? See, the goal is not that you would have idolessness. That's not a word. But the goal is that you would not have idolessness. The goal is that you would have godliness. And so we have to recognize those idols, turn from them, and turn towards God. And one of the marks of a genuine faith is that you turn from idols. So again, point number nine, do you turn from idolatry? Do you turn from idolatry? Paul, he finishes up in verse 10. He says this, and to wait, he says that you you turn from those idols, you turn to God. He says, man, and y'all were waiting for his son from heaven. He says, I I heard this. Y'all were waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Paul's saying that if you have a real faith, then you're excited about Jesus's return. Point number 10, and finally, the question I want you to ask yourself is, are you waiting for Jesus's return? Are you waiting for Jesus's return? We watched this video earlier, and it used this word, Maranatha. Maranatha, and that's just a Bible word that literally means, come, Lord Jesus, come. And it's, and it's really not even like a word, it's more like an anthem. It's like Maranatha, you know, and like fist up or something like that. Maranatha. It's like it's the church saying we are excited and eager and expectant for Jesus to return because when Jesus comes, peace comes. When Jesus comes, restoration comes. When Jesus comes, justice comes. When Jesus comes, the absence of tears and sin and cancer and brokenness, those, those are in effect. Jesus, when he comes, he does away with those things. And so we say Maranatha, Maranatha. We pray, we plead, Maranatha. And the mark of a genuine faith is that you are eagerly expected about the return of Christ. Are you excited for Jesus to come? I think some of us are like, yeah, like I'm excited for Jesus to come. But like if he could wait till I get married and like have a honeymoon sex, like if I could just get honeymoon sex. Like I, I think sometimes we think about that, right? And we think like we think somehow honeymoon sex is going to be better than heaven, you know. And so like we want Jesus. But listen, here's what I found out. When I talk with older people that have been there and done that and got a t-shirt, they're like, man, all of those things are good, but it all pales in comparison to what is to come. And I'm expecting Jesus to come and to make all things right, to bring restoration. And there's nothing that we can experience this side of eternity that's gonna compare to heaven. All of them are but whiffs in the nostril that give us a little temporary delight of what is to come. 
And so do you expect and are you excited about Jesus to come? So when you look at this list, these 10 things, and you ask these questions, yes or no, how would you grade yourself? You know, how, how many yeses did you get? How many noes did you get? And, and, let me, and let me remind you again, these things, they shouldn't be perfect in your life, but they should be present in your life. These things should be evident and increasing in your life. And the last question I have for you is the question I started out with tonight. Is your faith fake or is your faith real? Is your faith real? I told y'all that I swapped numbers with that guy. And uh, like we were texting the guy that duped me, the guy that, that gave me this fake gold ring, you take ring, you know, like the guy that, and I text him and like, you know, I thought we had everything squared away, but then he didn't show up. And, and I even texted him a few days after that. I was like, hey man, is everything okay? Do you need more money? I was trying to get him back, you know? And, um, and he just kind of, he left me on red. And maybe you're here and you're like, man, I don't know if, if my faith is real or not. And right now God is texting you and he's given you an opportunity to be a man or a woman of integrity. Not perfect, not perfect, not a man or woman of perfection. And if you would just text back and say, God, I gave you a fake gold ring. I gave you a fake version of me. God is texting you and he is imploring you to come and make sure that your faith is sincere and real. And many of you, or some of you rather, are gonna leave here tonight leaving God on red. And you're gonna try to ghost him. And you're gonna pretend that your faith in God is, is somehow changing your life, but it isn't really. Because when he spoke to you tonight, you didn't, re you didn't respond. And my urge to you would be that you would respond to the spirit of God as he is prompting you so that you can be a person that is authentic in your faith. So that you can be a person that is real, not perfect. No one has it all together. But you be a person that does what you say you're about. And you don't live a life that's a fake. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you just for this opportunity to get into your word. And God, I pray that it would have revealed something in us. It would have read us tonight. God, I pray for the person that's here. I was talking with a young adult just earlier, and he said, man, a few years ago, I was, just, I was in the church to try to get women. I was fake. I was faking. So God, if there's a man here that's here just to get women, God, I pray that you would break his heart right now. If there's a woman here that's here just to get attention, I pray that it would break her heart and that she or he wouldn't fake their faith. God, I pray that you would allow all of us to throw our trust upon you, to put our faith in you, and that you would grow these things in our life, that our faith would go to work, that we would labor to love, that we would have patience of hope, that we would share your word, that we would have seen the gospel move in power, that we would be followers, that we would be examples God, that we would eagerly anticipate you coming and that we would turn from idols and we would turn towards you. And in doing so, we would have an impact in this world. In Christ's name I pray, amen.